0: to take some time uh, this morning and and very quickly is just remind us of the really the the key points of the holiday of Hanukkah. And so if you flip to the back, you'll notice uh, the notes there, and there's not a lot of scriptural text really that I'll be referencing, but I want to read something to you that uh, I think will help us. If we remember that Hanukkah is not a lot, it's not a holiday. that's not what it's really about. As American Jews, it's lighting, a can, lighting candles, eating food, getting presents. Uh, we forget that the, the, the story of Hanukkah at its very core is a spiritual revival story among the Jewish people. All right, if you really look at the biblical text, God says to the Jewish people, You're going to be my people. From the moment God says that to the Jewish people, really in Exodus 19 and 20, the Jewish people are backing away. All right, toward the end of chapter 20, Moses goes closer to God, the Jewish people are afraid to get close to God. If you have that picture in your mind, that's a summation of the way we have reacted to God's call for us. And I should say that's really, unfortunately, the reaction of most people that God calls, whether Jews or Gentiles. Too many people, most people, back away from God and God's expectation for them until those times of revival come where God renews and restores because people humble themselves. Hanukkah is one of those stories. The Jewish people had secularized, in a sense, or paganized would be better, by the time you get to the 2nd century BCE. And uh, and Hanukkah was the event that God allowed because it forced the Jewish people To renew their identity in him. And in order to just kind of bring it into a modern era. I'm actually going to read a little bit of a a biography of a Russian Jewish man. Not a believer in Yeshua. But a man who would go on to become a very important rabbi in the state of Israel. So listen to him and, and his testimony of faithfulness as a Russian Jew. In 1970, a group of Jewish activists desperate to escape Soviet Russia devised a plan. They would all get tickets on a small plane under the pretense of attending a wedding and then hijack the plane to Sweden. Once there, they planned to announce their intention to immigrate to Israel. The plane never made it off the ground. As they were about to board, the Soviet secret police surrounded surrounded them and uh, brutally beat and arrested everyone in the group. Yosef Mendelovich, then 22, the youngest in the group, was sentenced to 12 years in Soviet prison. Born in 1947 in Riga, Latvia, Yosef Mendelovich grew up in a Yiddish-speaking home. Although his parents were staunch adherents of the communist atheistic ide- ideology, they would never fail to mention when it was Hanukkah or Pesach. His maternal grandfather and namesake, Rabbi Yosef, served as the shamash, the assistant to the venerable rabbi, of Davinsk. When he was just 11, the Soviets arrested his father on trumped up charges. Before the sentencing, Yosef found himself pleading to the God he was told didn't exist to save his father. Although sentenced to five years in prison, his father returned home after two years of hard labor. Shortly after, Yosef's mother fell ill and died. The imprisonment took a significant toll on his father's health compelling young Yosef while in his teens to find a job to support the family. He worked in a factory during the day and attended high school at night. There he met a group of Jewishly identified students who involved him in cleaning up the masquerades of Jews massacred by the Nazis in a forest near Riga. The experience sparked a nascent, uh, a nascent pride in and attachment to his Jewish people. Around this time, Yosef's cousin, a physician and an underground Aliyah activist, came to live with the family. He gave Yosef a Hebrew primer. Eager to learn the Hebrew language, he memorized every word and despite the risk of being arrested, taught Hebrew and Hamash to a group of friends at the Riga Synagogue. He also launched an underground organization to motivate Jews to immigrate to Israel. After applying for an exit visa and getting refused, he dropped his engineering studies and devoted himself to the clandestine Jewish movement, becoming editor of the underground newspaper Ha-Iton, a serious crime in communist Russia. No longer a student, he was called up to serve in the Russian army. The night before his enlistment interview, again, he found himself turning to God. He promised God that if he saved him from having to serve in the military, he would begin to observe mitzvot. Miraculously, he was rejected from service. As Yosef Mandelovich learned more about Yiddishkeit, he grew increasingly concerned about having to spend the rest of his life in Russia. When he heard through the underground of a Jewish pilot's plan to escape the USSR, he jumped at the chance. Although the flight never took off, Yosef's passion for his Jewish identity soared. Throughout his 11 years of grueling imprisonment, interrogations, solitary confinement, and hard labor, He saw how God sustained him. After one of his prison transfers, he met a young man eager to learn about Judaism. He became a treasured chavruta, a study partner. He also met fellow famed refusnik Natan Sharansky. The two cultivated their friendship, exchanging guarded whispers through the toilet bowl, pipe, and furtive notes thrown over the exercise yard walls. Yosef's determination to keep mitzvot cost him dearly. Prison authorities forbade him from wearing his homemade kippah, threatening to deprive him of his already rare visiting privileges with his father. Nevertheless, he wouldn't budge. Yosef never saw his father again. Unhappy with Yosef's Jewish influence on his fellow incarcerated Jews, the KGB confiscated his smuggled in Sidor and Chumash. Yosef went on a hunger strike for 56 days, ingesting nothing but water until they were returned. Throughout the fast, the authorities placed him in solitary confinement, but Yosef Mandelovich remained undeterred. He gave Hebrew lessons to an inmate in the next cell. On Purim in 1981, the Soviets succumbed to mounting pressure from the West to free the imprisoned Soviet refuseniks and allow them to immigrate to Israel. Yosef Mandelovich was informed that since he was unworthy of being a Soviet citizen, he was being expelled from the Soviet Union. And last, he was coming home. Now, that's an amazing testimony. Not a believer in Yeshua, but a testimony of Jewish Commitment. Eventually this man became a rabbi. I wish he would become a rabbi and a believer in Yeshua. So far, not that I know of. Talk about a tremendous commitment though to his Jewish identity. Really, a tremendous commitment to God's calling for his life. The holiday of Hanukkah is really a challenge to us as American Messianic Jews. The challenge to us to live in America as God's faithful people. Something that it is very difficult for us to do because there's so many pressures that surround us. Whether pressures of assimilation, to just be like everybody else, or pressures from the Christian community to just be Christian and to give up our identity and uniqueness as Jewish people. God has called us as Jews to be his faithful people. God has called us as Jews to be His faithful people in response to His promise to be our faithful God. And we need to keep that in mind as God has promised to be with us, to hold us, to keep us secure as His Jewish people. So we need to be faithful to our God and live as He has commanded us. In your notes you can see that uh, the first point Hanukkah reminds us of the actions of faithful people. I'm just going to briefly go over this. If you look at the history of the Jewish people, if you haven't done it, I mean the the quick summary is after the after the destruction of the temple and the exile uh, by the Babylonians, the Jewish people live pretty much in very desperate conditions for the next several hundred years, okay? And uh, after the, uh, the Babylonian captivity and the Babylonians fall to the Persians, the Persians have an attitude of live and let live. You see that in the biblical text. Cyrus, God raises up and says to the Jews, go back and rebuild your temple. And so God works through the Persians in a unique way. Their attitude is as long as you are sending money back to the Persian emperor, then you're not making any trouble. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you worship. Be yourself in your own little countries. And so the temple is reestablished. The book of Zechariah. Written at that time today. The reading for Hanukkah and the Haftorah. Is a reading about uh, Yahushua and Zerubbabel. These two leaders of the Jewish community. Back in the land during the time of the Persians. Establishing the worship of God. So the Jewish people. In the land. Under really a a, a very passive Persian uh, empire, they are allowed to live their lives. Following the Persians, though, you have the Greeks. The Greeks are not live and let live. The Greeks are more of an aggressive community, culturally speaking, a very aggressive community. And uh, so assimilation becomes an issue. After Alexander the Great, and some of you I know your eyes are glossing over it because you hated history when you were a kid, so this is about as much as you can handle. But after the Alexander the Great and the Greek empires, plural, that come out of that, the the, the nation of Israel, all right, the Jewish people living in the land are subjected to incredible pressures. First of all, some of it's Pressures of economics, pressures of politics, but eventually also pressures of religion. It's not like they were asking for it; they weren't asking for trouble. But it was—it was a very difficult time. Probably from about—I don't know—probably from about three, uh, three hundred to the time of Hanukkah, there was ongoing, mounting pressure against the Jewish people. To force them to assimilate. It culminates with Antiochus' Epiphanes and the whole story of Hanukkah. Where, where uh, Antiochus literally f- forbids the worship of the one true God. Forbids circumcision. Forbids Torah. And and uh, seeks to totally assimilate the Jewish people. What might surprise you is, is that the majority of the Jewish people were okay with it. Historically, the majority of the Jewish people were... Passive, almost goes back to um, uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. The people in the north, they're like, whatever, you know, we're we're kind of like agnostic when it comes to God. Whatever works in terms of religion at the moment is good enough for us. And remember, it says in the text uh, that the people, you know, only after the miracle of the uh, of the fire from heaven did the people say, "Adonai, know, who lohenu." The Lord, he is God. Otherwise, they're like, eh. <laughs> Hope that's not you, by the way. Hopefully, you're not the sort of person where you're kind of agnostic or passive about God until something dramatic happens in your life. And suddenly, you're on your knees crying out to God in recognition or in help. Alright? But the Jewish people at the time of Hanukkah, they were pretty passive about their identity and their commitment to God. But a few people were not. Those were the Maccabees. Those are the people that pretty much were willing to put their lives on the line, and they were the ones who rebelled, the small minority, and they fought against the per the, the uh, these Greeks. Uh, they fought against these pagan leaders, and uh, and after a three-year war where many of them died, including Judah the Maccabee. All right, uh, that eventually they got back the temple and they cleansed the temple, the story of Hanukkah, although minus the candle. Just so you know, the candle and the oil thing doesn't show up until uh, Mishnaic literature uh, after uh, probably 3rd, 4th century. Okay, the, uh, the festival of Hanukkah was a historical holiday that started up, though, as a result of this. So anyway, just so you know. Uh, ask me later if you have questions. Sometimes following God... Will definitely cost you your life. Maybe not in America. Could cost you your life if you're in Nigeria, as you are well aware. All right? Will definitely cost you your life in Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, certain parts of the world, North Korea. In America, no, which is why in America everybody's faith is so passive. That's why people here have a faith which most often demonstrates very little energy and excitement for the most part. We have it too easy in America. may not always be the case. Maybe circumstances like which occurred leading up to the story of Hanukkah will eventually happen here. Are you going to be ready for that? Are you going to be prepared? Well, how you live today is an indication of what you'll be like when those difficult times come you know sometimes though bad things happen because people make bad choices and uh, you know we see in the biblical text in the book of Daniel and I'm not going to read it because I don't want to I'm going to go to Jeremiah here in a minute but many times in the story of Hanukkah, when you look at the historical information, there were some Jews who were collaborators with the Greeks. And they would turn in other Jews who were opposed to Antiochus and who were opposed to Hellenizing. You know, every once in a while, do you run into Jewish believers in Yeshua who are actually aggressively opposed to us as Jews, living as Jews? I run into them every once in a while. It's very painful. Some of them cause me a lot of trouble from time to time. That's a bummer. But people make choices. Most Jews who believe in Yeshua live as Christians. And they do it by choice. They do it by choice. They choose to reject their identity. They choose to turn their back on the Jewish people. Historically, some of the worst anti-Semites have been Jews. I know that sounds really strange, but it's actually historically true. Go back to the, to the Middle Ages. The Middle Ages often <laughs> there were a <laughs> Pablo Cristiano <laughs> yeah, of the Inquisition fame, a Jewish man who became a believer in Jesus, who was partially responsible for the for for well, partially responsible ultimately for the expulsion from Spain. The burning of Talmuds and, and religious Jewish literature and the banning of synagogues. Isn't that horrible? Sometimes our own people, by their choices, make our lives difficult as Jews who choose to live as Jews, who believe in Jesus. That's their bad choices impacting us in a bad way. But usually, unfortunately, the majority the majority is rarely correct when it comes to following God, and uh, most often we bear the reality, as Jewish people believe in Yeshua, of being a very small minority among our people. But that's what God has called us to do. We are a remnant, just like Elijah was a remnant. We are a remnant of God's of, of God's promises to our people, a remnant of the truth of who God is and who Yeshua is. and and it should be a reminder to us of this unique role we play as a light to the nations and a light to our nation Uh, it's interesting, I told Bob this if you listen, if you look carefully at that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel which is powerful that song was written by Christians and the words, the actual words because I changed a few But the real original words are all reflective of the church. Not Israel, the Jewish people, but Israel, the new Israel, the Christian church. And with a few tweaks, it's very interesting how different that song can read. You know, if you really look at it from the perspective of our lives as Jews, this this suffering minority among our people... Again, as a people suffering in this world as a minority. There's tremendous power. We are asking the God of Israel to step into this world and redeem us. And as a result of our redemption, redemption will come into this world. The story of Hanukkah, in essence, is a story of redemption. God bringing revival to the Jewish people, ultimately will bring revival to the world. I do not think it is a consequence that the tremendous revival among the Jewish people in the 1960s and 70s also brought with it tremendous revival into the whole world. Look around the world at all that has occurred since then. And at the core of it all was a tremendous revival of the Jewish people. Thousands and thousands of Jews coming to faith in Yeshua. We often forget that in the former Soviet Union, there was a tremendous revival also among Jews there. But it was also at the core of a greater revival where God was bringing the gospel for the first time, really just plain old gospel message, into Russia. The churches that exist, many of the vibrant churches that exist in Russia, came as a result of what God was doing first among the Jewish people in former Soviet Russia. And if you, probe, if you probe down, you'll find Jewish believers. Jewish believers at very important levels throughout the, the revival in America, as well as in the former Soviet Union. So God desires to renew our people. Hanukkah is an example of spiritual renewal. That's what it is. That's really at the core of what it is. The people understanding who they are as 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 the as God's people called to live for God in a certain way and choosing to live that way. And as a result, God blessing them and helping them overcome tremendous odds. But we have to remember, really at the core of this, is the fact that God has promised that he would always be faithful to our people. Take a look at the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. This is a a key text people will often use in the Christian community really to speak of the New Covenant, but they forget its context. Jeremiah chapter 31. Take a look at either verse 1 or 2. (laughs) This is either verse 1 or 2 in your text. So chapter 31 of the book of Jeremiah. It says, At that time declares Adonai... I will be God to all families of Israel and they will be my people. Thus says Adonai, the people surviving the sword found grace in the wilderness where I gave Israel rest. And I'm going to just start, stop there. The chapter begins, the chapter begins with God's promise to Israel never to forsake them. Really ultimately despite ourselves. Despite ourselves. If you want to sum up the prophetic literature... The prophetic literature is summed up with, Israel is sinful, God will punish, and yet God will redeem. Alright? Israel is sinful, God will punish, and God will redeem. And I say it that way because it isn't really, God will, Israel will sin, God will punish, Israel will repent, and God will redeem. It doesn't necessarily even work that way. How many of you right now know that there are things that God wants you to do and you're not willing to do it? Every one of us. There's things that we know God wants us to do. And we're too hard-hearted and sinful to actually do what God wants us to do. Now God will punish you for that. He will, because He promises. You are His child if you're a follower of Messiah Yeshua. He will discipline you. He will spank you. Depending on what it is and depending on how stubborn you are, So will be the spanking and the discipline, because God loves you. But he does it because ultimately he will redeem you. If you are a follower of Messiah Yeshua, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Which also means nothing will ever separate you from his corrective action in your life. Because he will redeem you. As Jewish people, it's the same way. The Jewish people are a stubborn, sinful people. We are that way. And yet God will not reject us ultimately forever. He will punish us and he will redeem us. The book of Jeremiah uh, it goes through that in great detail. And it's fascinating. And yet humility and repentance is part of it in a sense. But it comes often only at the very end. When we come to the end of ourselves because of God's punishment and discipline. Because of his love. And there we find God waiting for us. Take a look at verse 31 or 32 or 30, I can't tell. It says, Jeremiah 31, it says, Behold, days are coming, it is a declaration of Adonai, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. It is a declaration of Adonai. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. It is a declaration of Adonai. I will put my Torah within them. Yes, I will write it on their heart. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will each teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, No, Adonai, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For it is a declaration of Adonai. For I will forgive their iniquity, their sin. I will remember No more. So God has promised. He will maintain his faithfulness to us. Really this whole mentioning of a new covenant. Don't think gospel necessary. I think people do that. I understand in terms of the new covenant. Yeshua speaks of the new covenant inaugurated by his blood. But really understand it and what it really is. A reestablishment a recognition a restatement of God's faithful commitment to us as his people. And as a result of what God has promised to do for our people blessing comes to all the world. All the nations are blessed through Israel. But Israel needs to be Israel. Israel needs to be Israel. That's the hard part, isn't it? It's always easier for us to be like somebody else always easier for us to assimilate and be like the nations. And yet, God can't use us as Israel if we are no longer Israel. God can't do a work in us uniquely if we reject our unique identity. Can't do it. In essence, we've lost out on the opportunity to be prepared for service as I was talking about in my drash if joseph had decided to get all upset and get mad at god and to just you know give up on his faith in god he wouldn't have saved the jewish people the jewish people would have died of starvation in canaan and none of us would be here right now but he didn't get upset he persevered in who he was And in his faith in God, really, he persevered in who he was because he knew the God of his grandfather, great-grandfather Abraham. And he held fast to that identity and that understanding. And who knows, he might have really understood when God said to Abraham, Lech Lecha, get up and go, I will make of you a nation to bless the world. And as he sat in that jail, that lousy government jail in Egypt, he kept telling himself, I'm supposed to be a blessing to the nations. I'm supposed to be a blessing to the nations. And he held on to that truth throughout that time of difficulty until the jail door opened and he was invited to defi- to uh, interpret the dream of Pharaoh. How about us? Do we hold our Jewish identity On Shabbat between 10 and 12 or 1 o'clock. Or do we go through our week saying, I understand my responsibility to be a blessing to the nations. Do we remind ourselves of that truth to be a blessing to the nations? Are we willing to accept the cost of what it means to follow the God of Israel as Jews who believe in Yeshua? It's a challenge for us. So I can conclude this this morning. I really I want to well, actually I'm going to read one more passage because <clears throat> I really should believe. I think it's good to read something from the New Covenant text here this morning. So I'm going to read how Yeshua was celebrating Hanukkah. from Luke chapter eight verse twelve. So Yeshua's done eating his latkes and his sufganiot, and he's at the temple area where, in those times, there was a huge candelabra, fires burning in Jerusalem. To commemorate the festival of dedication, because it was not it was not a latke holiday, it literally was the festival of dedication, reminding people of what God had done through the revival of the Maccabees And Yeshua spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will no longer walk walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Yeshua said to them, I am the light. I am the direction. I am the source. I am the one who makes clear the way to go in life. He said that on the holiday of Hanukkah. Now, to conclude this message, I want to give us two challenges. One, how are we living out our lives as faithful followers of God? That's really, really the key. It's really the key. Again, it's so easy for us as believers in Yeshua in America to just live comfortable lives. It's not what God has called us to do. For some of you, you're just starting out in life and you're learning what it means to be a little comfortable because you've got jobs and you have opportunities that you didn't have before. And so the temptation to just, you know, enjoy life, to eat, drink, and be merry, because that's a lot of what people consider to be living today. But that's not really what God considers life. What God considers life is to be living lives for His purposes, fulfilling the things that really matter for God and for the big picture. Knowing, if you read through the uh, second Peter today, that everything that exists today is going to burn up, including your 401k and the cars and the houses and the clothes and all that stuff. Are you a faithful follower of God? Is it your passionate desire each day to faithfully follow God and His directions for your life? Is that the first and most important thing that you think of each and every day? Hanukkah should remind us of that. should remind us to be faithfully following God. Someone walks into your place of employment With a gun and says, I want everyone who believes in God to line up over here, and everyone who doesn't believe in God to line up over there. Which side would you pick, hoping that you might survive? Hopefully, you will go to the God side because you are a believer in God and you're prepared to die for your faith. Hopefully, that would be your choice. Are you a faithful follower of God? Are you willing to stand up alone? if necessary for God and his truth, on the job, when people basically make fun of people that are religious and actually believe and actually care. What I actually find, though, is often when people stand up for God, people will say, oh... I can respect that. I remember Matt used to talk about that at Northwestern. They kind of respected people who actually had backbone and stood up for what they believed. I still think that's most of what we can anticipate in our world. If we actually have a backbone in regards to our faith and we stand up for what we believe and we stand up for our values, people will respect us. But if they don't, does not make a difference? We need to stand up and be counted for God and for God's truth. Are you willing to consider the truth of who Yeshua is as Messiah? Even though it's unpopular among our Jewish people. I spent about an hour and a half in the hospital yesterday talking to Mildred and his and and uh, her daughter Isla. Wonderful conversations. And and it was so interesting in going through it is that how how they themselves are curious, obviously, about Yeshua, but as they share about who we are in our faith in Yeshua with all the Jewish people in their lives, how those Jewish people are incredulous, incredulous that people could be Jewish and believe in Jesus. That's the response of most of our family and friends. They still don't accept us, no matter what we do. It's not a matter of frumness or lack thereof the issue is always Yeshua and we cannot be ashamed of him we need to be bold about who he is as our Messiah and yet are you a faithful Jew are you a faithful Jew are you a faithful Jew are you more like Pablo Cristiano where you are opposed to Jewish traditions and opposed to Jewish life I don't think anyone in our community is like that. But maybe in a sense you harbor a real apathy in regards to your Jewish identity. Hanukkah is a holiday that reminds us that people stood up for what they understood. The prophet Malachi saying at the end of the book of the the Hebrew scriptures. Saying to prepare the people. To prepare the people. One will come who will turn the people back to Moses. And Moses' instructions... Just like we see in the book of Acts. Where the early believers in Yeshua are zealous for the Torah. Because they understood that revival, spiritual revival, leads Jewish people back to observance of God's instructions. And not just loving your neighbor, which is the most important after loving God with all your heart. But the keeping of the Shabbat in the keeping of the traditions related to these things, as the text articulates it, that we might be identifiably the people of God. Are you a faithful Jew? Do you actually in the day-to-day life, your day-to-day life, live out your identity and value it? Again, if you were at work and someone said all the Jews to the one side, and all the non-Jews to the other, where would you go? Now what's funny is, is if this was really going on as Jews, we'd try to find ways to hide so we can come back and kill them later. But that's all another discussion. Alright? This is post-Holocaust we're talking, right? But to think about it, how do you identify yourself, not at the synagogue, but at, at your job and in your neighborhood? I mean, I find that sometimes Jewish people who believe in Yeshua have a very hard time really clearly saying, I'm Jewish, really believing that. They can believe it here, but they have a hard time feeling Jewish in the normal Jewish world, meaning outside of this synagogue. We need to understand as people that are Jewish, that we're Jewish here, and we're Jewish anywhere else. It's because we are, and we, are, we understand and accept the identity that we have been given by God and that God has entrusted us with to be his light and his testimony. Are you willing to be different? Live out your heritage as an active member of God's chosen people? What value do you place on the memory of those like the Maccabees who have gone before you, suffering and dying simply because of their commitment to living out their God-given identity would you have been like Yosef Mandelovich would you have been like Yosef Mandelovich passionately desiring to understand his identity as a Jew coming from his background willing to lose all that he lost before he finally was able to escape and get out Lose all that he had lost simply because he understood that there was value for him as a Jew. Chosen by God to be a testimony and a light to the nations. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the holiday of Hanukkah. Which really is a unique holiday, God, for our people. God, I pray that as followers of Messiah Yeshua, that we would not be drawn into the gifts and the candles and the things that really are not important. But that we would remember that Hanukkah is really a a spiritual renewal holiday. And that we would use it as such. That we would personally recommit ourselves to following you with radical faith. Choosing to follow you no matter what the cost. To really prioritize the things that matter. Making a difference in the lives of people being more important than anything. And yet, God, that we would also be willing to live out publicly, proudly, in the proper sense of that word, but in an active sense, God, our identities as Jewish people to bless the nations as well as to be a testimony to our people.